Welcome to Solutions, when men come out the shadow to testify, giving tips in manhood, honor the codes of integrity, and give out real solutions for soul survival. Today, we have on the show a man of distinction, a man who values the representation of a first impression. He's an expert communicator who also teaches nonverbal communication by being an expert in branding, style, confidence, etiquette, just a few words that he lives by daily. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the educator who believes in the power of knowledge, the author of the new book, Why Style Matters, fellow podcaster, brand expert, and fashion guru, Mr. Asan Ali, also known as the Style Jumper. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. How you doing, man? How you feeling? I am blessed. Blessed to be here. Are you ready to drop these gems and answer these questions today? Yeah, man, let's let's get after it. You know, I'm I'm excited about the to be on the on the channel and the show and, and bless. I'm being blessed by this opportunity, so I'm excited. Well, here we go. What person did you meet or see that gave you the drive towards the man you are today? Who or what defined you? Mm, that's a great question. I wouldn't be able to define it in one man. Um, because I'm a village child. So there's a lot of men in my life uh, that poured into me as a kid. Um, but what I would say is my father, for one, he, he gave me that ability to um, <laughs> to smile, but also not to engage with people. You know, and when you engage with people, whether it's your elders or where you work, you have an opportunity to turn things around and navigate your way in a positive way, but also be able to pull people towards you just based on those small cues by paying attention. And the second person, I'm gonna give you three. Second person is one of my, one of my cousins. Um, he was always like, um, he was the per you know, that, that big bro, you know what I mean? That one you always look up to, you Absolutely. know, he first one took me, you know, show me girls and all that kind of thing and just, you know, just really show me what it is to, to be a man. Um, and then my best friend, my best friend Rod, when I went into the Navy, he was a game changer for me because um, coming from the South, he's from Mississippi, man, he, he just showed me what it's like to be an independent person, you know, be able to navigate through through a big space that you don't necessarily know of and people to respect you just on, on your posture, you know, and just continually just drive yourself you know, shift your body, transform my body. He was the person that helped me transform my body. So as a man, he was the one. Three-headed monster taught you how to be brave and bold in this world. No doubt. Before we dive into those three gentlemen, can you define to me in your personal opinion what a village child is? Mm. A village child to me is someone who, um, who hopped around at everybody's house. You know, they, they were, you know, I, I feel like I got eight moms, you know, uh, my mom's the baby, a baby girl at 10 and she has uh, six sisters. So I was at everybody's house, you know, she was the youngest. So I was, I was eating at everybody's table. Um, I think that's what happens when you, when you have a large family uh, and your, your parents are working and things of that nature, you get hopped around, you get dropped off your auntie's house, your uncle's house. And, um, you know, it, it's a blessing because you learn how to navigate life and appreciate from so many different perspectives and learn how to maneuver because one auntie is completely different from the other. <laughs> so <laughs> so you, you gotta understand, you know what I mean? So so definitely, and that's why I feel is a, a great definition of a village child. 
Absolutely. Grooming your ways to the arts of communication by sharpening your tools, by learning everyone's experiences, different personalities prepares you for everyone you might meet in the world. Because people are the same in personality and within branding. People mm. stay on brand within categories. Tell me about this three-headed monster. If you can give me a story from each one, representing the smile, the girls you met, or how to behave yourself in large areas, what moments did you realize and say, hey, that smile worked this time? Hey, what my cousin told me this time was true. What my best friend, information, how he told me to keep my shoulders up, stand tall, this actually worked, and I'm gonna keep this in my repertoire. Well, for my dad, <laughs> he, uh, he always uses humor. You know, when he walk into a room, you're going to crack up. I mean, you don't know what he's going to say. And so <laughs> he, uh, I'm trying to think of a story with my dad because we laugh all the time. Um, I, I remember um, as a kid, just going going to church with him. You know, he, was, uh, he would be cleaning the churches. That's something that we did uh, as a kid, you know, and you, you'll have those you know, the, those mothers in the church who, who want things a certain way. And, and you know, he, he would just, um, he would always just be obliging to them. And, you know, they'll be upset about something. He might've moved around and they can't find stuff. And he'd just be like, yes, ma'am. You know, and then he'll, he'll give them a compliment, you know, you know, why you look nice today? And I do that, I do that so much. It's a great diversion. <laughs> when someone eat it, you throw them off with a compliment. So, so that's my dad. Oh, my cousin, he was just so smooth. Matter of fact, his nickname, his name is Shaft. So you already know with a name like Shaft, he was going to be smooth. And so my whole life, uh, you know, especially as a kid, I wanted to be smooth and chill like him. You know, he, he would he would have his uh, his new cars. He would spend all Saturday morning cleaning the car and then we'll go out. And um, I just watched how the girls would just respond to him, you know. And even how he moved, you know, he was just so cool. Um, and then with my, my my best friend Rod, we were on two carriers. Well, I was on um, the carrier that I met him on. You know, you're talking 200, you know, 2,000 or so men. And just, and this guy is like, he's like a tank. He's like five, five, ten, you know, wide country, you know, from the Missis from Mississippi and just these block shoulders. And I would just see like how this guy could walk through the ship. And it's almost like he would part the ship no matter where we would be. And he was always um, respectful, always cordial, but people just respected his posture. And so I would watch Rod and we just really, um, we met eye to eye, you know what I mean? And so from, from that point on, I always moved with him. And for years, and this is what, year 27, we've been best friends. So. You know, I just carried what I saw from him. And he was like, I don't know if you remember uh, <laughs> in um, uh, on Looney Tunes and the Chicken Hawk, you know, Henry, Henry the Chicken Hawk, he was coming through. And that's why I wrote the book. Right? He's like, the Chicken Hawk, no fear. You know what I mean? You don't care how big you are. He just walking through there, you know, a little tank bulldog. And, um, you know, I just learned to appreciate that. So, yeah, that th those are my three-headed monsters for sure. You know, the reason I said three-headed monsters, because I don't know if you see the full circle where I'm about to go, is that your dad gave you the style, your cousin gave you the confidence like Shaft, and Rod gave you the etiquette. Style, mm. confidence, etiquette, what you live by every day. People, uh, that's, that's 100% fact. Yeah, people were watering you, and, and it came out. That mustard seed turned into a, a beautiful tree that you're doing today with styling and branding. But to get on that march, to get on that path, did you have a vision board? 
I didn't have a vision board um, until much later in life, but I had a board and actually I just, I just took it down recently and now I'm redoing it. Um, but one of the things that was on that board was the book, you know, have, you know having a nice space um, and all these powerful terms, you know, confidence, um, you know, empowerment. Ali was on there, Kanye was on there, you know, um, Sammy Davis Jr. was on there, you know, all these guys who just exuded confidence and style, but also just powerful words that keep reinforcing, you know, what I knew and how I grew up, but also what I needed to continue to project. And I feel as though if we can, uh, if I can express that and share that with men, we can move in, in a much positive way and, and actually redefine the narrative that's been presented to us or, you know, people are interpretation of us. Absolutely. We got to control, control the narrative because we are media now. Everyone is media. Everybody that has a phone, you are now media. You can now control yeah. the narrative or you can push their agenda, whichever you like, but we can come together and be like-minded. You just gave me one of your vision board that you achieved. What is an apex goal that you haven't achieved that you're still currently chasing? Mm, um, current goal that I'm, I'm chasing right now, I'm working on my course. So, you know, a, a course for, for those who, you know, obviously one can't necessarily be omnipresent unless you create a course or content mm. like this. So the course allows for, for men and women to be able to understand the value from personal brand and brand message. Cause I think that's where people really miss a huge opportunity. You know what I mean? So that's where, if you understand Hey, if I'm a great hairstylist and my hair look crazy, there's a conflict because she's missed that opportunity. That's because she's conflicting her personal brand with her brand message because really she's a great stylist. But look at all those opportunities walk by because I, if I see that female or that person who does hair, I'm like, they can't be a hairstylist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Or can't be a fitness guy if he's he's chubby like me, huh? <laughs> yeah. If he's if he's heavy, but, but but there's but there's some people. <laughs> But you know what's funny, and it's funny you say that because I um, I come from uh, I'm actually a GM in the fitness industry of a, of a huge company. Uh, my day job, and you know what I've learned is about body image, right? Because just because your body is a certain shape doesn't mean that you can actually not execute on the exercises. But again, it's that nonverbal communication. You lose those opportunities because someone's already envisioned what they want their body to look like. And you're saying, hey, you know, I want to be in great shape. And you see this person that completely throws off that personal brand and your brand messages is constant conflict. Yeah, your body is not shaped like everybody's body, but you can be the best you can be. Let's let's not That's skip excellent. over the book. I want to talk to you about if you can get some information to drop a gem for those who might be writing a book, what is something that you put into practice that helped you complete or even start? Because so many people say, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to do it. And they sit there for years and they don't even get started. What enabled you to say, I'm good enough for right now? Well, the beautiful thing about the writing a book was you have to decide. And the, the biggest thing is making the decision, right? And, and the commitment to it. And, you know, Now, some people think that writing a book is beyond their ability. And one of the things that I did, I think that I believe anyone actually can write a book. I think you can write a book in 30 days, to be quite honest with you. And what I did was I would get up and I would actually use my 
my phone. So everybody worry about typing and things of that nature. No, I use my notes on my phone. I use voice to text, right? And then after, and I committed to an hour per morning. So once you use the voice to text, you use the accessibility to play it back so you can hear it. So all I did was I wrote out my outline, my 10, 12 chapters. And then each morning I committed to a chapter. I committed to uh, a point and then just continued going. And so I think anyone can do it. You just gotta be committed and believe that you have a story to tell because your story is unique to you and anyone can learn from your story. Just like we watching shows and things of that nature. That's, that's why we watch them, but we're just as valuable, just as important, just as impactful as the next. We just maybe not have, we have given that confidence that we actually have enough value that people want to listen to and hear about. I want to announce my first book, 10 Most Effective Ways to Reignite Self-Love. It's a deep reflection and deep dive into yourself, how to make yourself better overall. Check it out. It's available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. If you want more info, email me at solutionsformen at sheen1.com or the author at sheen1.com. Let me know. You can RSVP one if you like. Now back to the show. Now we talked about many things within your vision board. We talked about you looking to grow yourself to the point where you actually make instructions and create a class. And I think that's wonderful things, but you have to build yourself up in my opinion. Are there any affirmations that you use to make sure you're staying on your journey, having discipline over motivation? <laughs> you know, the affirmation is you no, know, uh, you know, I am worthy. That's the biggest one. Mm. I'm worthy because a lot of times there's this imposter syndrome and people don't feel like mm. they're worthy to, to be heard or be seen or to do the things that they want to accomplish on those on the vision board. So it's really about I am worthy. Uh, I am I am a man of God, you know, and I have positive influence and impact. And that's the purpose. My purpose is the impact. And I just say those things all the time, those affirmations, purpose, impact, style, confidence, and etiquette. And definitely um, <clears throat> that influence, man, just means so much to me. Influence, style, confidence, and etiquette. I hear you when you put those things together, but it started from somewhere. So how early did you start goal setting in your life? I would say really early as a kid. Um, I remember back in even high school, but actually middle school and seeing the guys playing ball. And uh, <laughs> I remember this one situation where I told this cat, like, I'm coming, to, I'm coming to get your position. And he was, you know, he was an upperclassman. And, and I had I had played that position since I was eight years old. So I was, you know, by the time I was uh, 15, 16, I knew it like the back of my hand. Mm. And I was like, I'm coming. And, and that was when the first thing that I knew as a kid that I can actually commit to something and go for it every single day and be able to accomplish it. It's that discipline of I'm going to be better. I'm going to work harder. And no one's going to beat me. And so I would say 14, 15 for sure. Describe the journey upon that. There, there is a destination. There is a finish line. But tell us your experiences of the journey of that commitment. What did you learn? How did you grow from the journey? Well, the journey, I believe it was more of um, knowing that I was a smaller kid. Um, but my father told me this, and this was the era of like uh, Lawrence Taylor, Harry mm -hmm. Carson, you know, uh, Mike, uh, Mike Singletary, you know, the 80s, mm -hmm. you know, all those guys. I saw that expression, you, you in Chicago, 
and you know Walter Payton and I would just watch their clips you know and just seeing how committed they were Jerry Rice and so I knew and my father would say to me he's like son you'll never be as good as those guys if you don't watch the game if you don't study it so I would study them and I would just watch their commitment just watch all their moves and so you know going out on the football field you know and the guys were, were bigger than me but I knew I had more heart than them so it's really about using that heart and that drive. And I remember it distinctively where my coach was like, he was cursing, you know, he's like, dang it, that's, you gonna let that little joker come back and, and sack our quarterback? You know, and, and it was just amazing because I, I couldn't be stopped at that time because I just knew um, that I understood the position. I understood mm -hmm. that every day, you, you know, every Sunday I watched it, every, you know, I would find a great player uh, in college football and, and watch that defensive end, you know, do his thing. And I would just like watch and I would just try to take and use those moves when I got in practice and I practiced much harder. And this is the key. I practiced much harder um, than I feel like everybody else. Cause my coach would say, hey, how you, how you practice is how you play, right? And so with that, I would go so hard in practice. The game was nothing for me because I had already ran through everybody in practice. And so it was just awesome to see those results on the other side of the field. So I'm um, on Friday nights and, and game nights. So, so that was really the journey, just being committed. And so each week I just kept trying to get better. And, um, you know, I didn't let up. I didn't let up on, on myself and I didn't let up because then, you know, back then you would have to be put in front of the person you know, you lay on your back, you pop up and you go at yeah. it, you know what I mean? So um, I, every opportunity, and I guess this is more of a, a valuable point, every opportunity I had to showcase my ability, I would do that. You know, so whether it's the sprints, whether it's that getting up off your back and tackling, whether it's, you know, um, you know, working out and just showing that drive. And so I always made sure my coaches knew that I was committed to the goal, mm. you know what I mean? And committed to the role. So you were standing in your waterfall of focus and you were streaming heavy. That's what a lot of people need to realize. Sometimes when you get into that focal point, that focus place, nothing else matters. You don't even know what's going on. You don't know what the new song is. You just know that what's going on with you is that you're totally aligned with the universe and telling everybody what you want. So here you are, you got this three-headed monster. You got your dad teaching you great things. You got your best friend. You got your cousin. You're standing strong. You got your affirmations. You got your vision board. You're helping the community, doing the things you need to do. Along that journey, who you are today, what did you sacrifice? Mm. I think I sacrificed the most relationships. You know, I, I wasn't. that was one thing that I was not committed to. I wasn't committed to... Uh, much younger uh, females like that. I didn't. I didn't care. You know what I mean. I, my my focus was um, whether it was football or my focus was in, in style and fashion. It was just those were the things that that made the most sense to me. Um, I was in relationships, but they weren't they weren't that strong at first. You know what I mean. It wasn't until I became more of a mature man uh, to decide to actually commit. But the biggest sacrifice I would say is that getting really close to somebody uh, from from the opposite sex, for sure. I don't see where that is a mistake today. Mm -hmm. They tell us to be purpose-driven and she will find you. 
from a man's perspective. What is your advice on that? Being purpose-driven, being stream-like, being focused in your stream of knowledge and what you're trying to do and understanding to become a master at your craft. How important is that to focus, to focus out everyone and really pinpoint exactly your purpose? I think it's really important because, you know, when it comes to, like my wife now, we've been together for 20 years. Um, but she sees my commitment level because if she sees how commitment, committed I am to my goals and my purpose, she knows that I'm gonna be committed to her. I'm committed to my kids. You know, I know I'm committed to my work. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, you know, for those who, who are on that path, and that was just something that, you know, actually me and Elijah talk about all the time, like, hey man, you know, um, I, I'm not gonna get married. I'm not gonna get serious until I'm, I'm at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and because you already know where you want to be. And so I feel like a lot of times, and I'll tell you something funny. A lot of times we would say with females, females will be the ones who get their degree. They can have kids, they'll get that job, their credit will be tight, but it'll be the guys who won't get up, <laughs> you know, who get caught up, you know, who don't accomplish those goals, don't complete things because they're distracted. And I I can appreciate and respect the multitasking ability of a lot of females because they were able to do both and Mm -hmm. do them well. I mean, they could be at every party, but I promise you they got their schoolwork done. Mm -hmm. You know, I promise you they graduated on time and then, you know, the guys would be distracted. So that was one thing I would say to guys, if you make that shift and think about how how the ladies do it, they'd be on point, you know, but they're committed to the, whatever their goal is, they're going to commit to that goal and still find a way. And that's a multitasking in that discipline to accomplish the goal, but still live and appreciate things. Absolutely. We can always uh, go to a flagship and see who's doing it. And I think that's one of the biggest focus of the show, bringing people like yourself on and showing, hey, structure is very important. What you want is when you put on that vision board and then you you zero out everything that does have nothing to do with that hallway. Mm-hmm. Like if what you're doing doesn't apply. You going to the party on Friday night. You could skip that one because if you accomplish what you want, there'll be plenty of parties. It'd be plenty of opportunities for you to turn around and catch up with later. People trying That's to true. She, she made me catch up. But one of the things I, I, I think about is like I always tell you know young people who know all the stats of every athlete who know all the songs, who will sit for two hours, and that's just for one game. But you're watching someone else following their dream. You're watching grown men doing what they want to do, and you sit here maybe struggling or or upset that you're not where you want to be, but you've dedicated so much of your time and your life to fantasize about someone else who's executing on the things that they want. So I would refuse to watch games like that. I'm, I missed the highlight, you know, I'll, I'll check out, you know, Sports <laughs> Center real quick just yeah. to know so oh, that I can be conversational. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Because, you know, like, you know, in business, you know, you want to, you know, things that have the spark of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just that research point, but I will not sit there and watch a game. If I'm doing that, then, then I'm depressed straight up. I'm, I'm depressed. Let, let me, let me co-sign that. I, I was playing video games for a little while. And then when I got a new passion, I was like, I don't want to play video games anymore. I don't want to do, I'm wasting my time here. What am I doing playing video games? Because I was in a funk and I had to get out of it. Recently, I met a 17 year old kid 
He was 6'8". Hmm. And everybody's asking him, hey, man, who are you playing for next year? Who, where are you going to college? Like, where are you going to play basketball? He's like, I'm horrible at basketball. I tried. I'm just terrible. In a room full of people. And I said to him, well, that doesn't mean you can't own the team. That hmm. doesn't mean you can't teach someone else different skill sets. Or you can't be the financial person for the people. If you're next to all the people who play basketball that's doing well, then what yep. you could be his manager. Yeah. And Why Maverick Carter. To... You could be a Maverick. You can be a you Maverick. Know? But a lot of people are not promoting that lifestyle. We don't see it enough. So he yeah. his eyes, his eyes lit up and open. And he was like, Thank you, man. I appreciate that. That's just no problem, man. You could be owners too. You don't have to mm -hmm. play. Mm -hmm. You can determine who plays. Exactly. Oh, you, that's, that's when you go into that research. You're gonna for that kid. He's automatically gonna connect with the ball players because he's already six eight. Right. Yeah, you know right. I mean, so if he has the knowledge, because some people are great, are much better coaches than players. Right. And vice versa. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, man, that that's dope. I, I'm glad you did that. Absolutely, man. Thank you for letting us know what you sacrificed along your journey. So we have all these things built up. This is a part of the show. We would like to know what was your lowest moment, but how did you get out of it? not just about your story. We want to know how you got up. This is for the people who are listening right now that said, I might be going through that. How did he get up? What can I add to my tool belt? Please tell us about your lowest moment. My lowest moment. My lowest moment was around 2009. It was the last economic downturn. We were in Seattle. And we had two little kids. My, my son at the time um, was diagnosed with autism around three. We had a toddler. Um, so I went to work and I got laid off. And mind you, the challenges of, of autism, which a lot of people know or don't know, um, my son couldn't sleep. He would be crying all night. So I, I, had, to be up, I had to be at work at 6 a.m. But he probably would just be going to sleep by four, you know. And so I would be miserable going to work every day. And um, I lost my job and we packed up and moved to Detroit. And we're in Detroit and there was no jobs. You know, that industry, I, didn't, I don't come from the, the engineering, the car industry, and those were the jobs. And so uh, what I ended up doing is I ended up using my creative self to cope with my son, actually cope with that that loss of, of, of what I imagined what it would be for me and my son, you know, proms and cars, you know, and girls, all those kind of things and just building those relationships, deep conversations. At the time, I thought that I'd never have that conversation or that opportunity uh, looking in the future. And um, I basically, it took me two, two years, man. I, I didn't have a job for two years. But I, I started making music. Mind you, the music wasn't like spectacular, but it allowed me to kind of escape and, and just kind of go back to our earlier points of, of coming up with something and, and being focused on it. Mm. And I just focused on the music and focused on getting better at it um, because I had worked at Apple um, for, for a number of years part time. So I learned garage band and stuff like that. So it was that constant getting better and better and then I had the opportunity to work for, for the company I still work for to this day, um, where it was in the fitness industry. And 
I just committed to getting better and being the best. I was more, I was a lot older than a lot of the guys. And so it was like, okay, I'm an old head. What, what can I do to be different? What can I do? So then it, it did, it triggered me just like football. Mm. I'm coming to take your job. I'm coming to take your spot or anytime I have the opportunity, I'm going to shine. So I started in to kind of get into the style journey of things. I try to figure out like, how can I separate myself? And I already had an extensive experience with, with uh, style. I had been, already been modeling. I used to do New York runway. I've done, you know, lead model for Echo Unlimited back in the day, you know, mm -hmm. calendars, all those kind of things. But I put that away because I was trying to shift my life, you know, and got serious with my wife, right? So I would dress up and no one could, I knew no one could outdress me. I knew they couldn't. But one of the things I did was the, you know, the, the logo uh, is a ribbon for autism is these puzzle pieces. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, I didn't like that. I was like, that just don't look good to me. So what I started doing was I took, I took away all of my neckties and I taught myself to wear a bow tie mm. and a tie bow tie. So that was a conversation starter almost every time. Cause no one could, no one, everybody's like, oh, oh, that looks great to wear a bow tie, right? Yeah. So two things happened. One, it was a conversation piece, but two, it was me carrying my son with me every day. And that was the catalyst for me on this pathway. I promise you I'm getting chills right now because that was it. Because we had to figure out a way to support ourselves, single family income at the time, to grind through. We had one car, you know, if someone walked into the club and it's five o'clock, I suppose to get off at five o'clock. Well, my wife's sitting outside with one kid on the spectrum and an infant. They will be sitting out in the car for an hour could be because I could not let that person leave without selling them a membership because it's commission. Mm -hmm. So, you know what I mean? So, so that was the catalyst for me. And here I am now from an account manager to now general manager, general manager of my own club in another state, now I'm out here in Maryland, that, just that story alone encapsulates the commitment, but also the sacrifice and the discipline. Because through that too, I didn't hang out with a lot of people. I didn't go home all the time because I grew up in South Carolina, but I, I, I couldn't go home. You know what I mean? I'm on commission. I didn't take vacations. I'm on commission. Mm. So, you know what I mean? So I, even if I was gone, I'm thinking about Oh man, how, how are we gonna make it when I get back? Mm. You know what I mean? So that surely was a catalyst for me and my shit. Oof. Gotta shake that energy off. That's really good information. The focus, determination. You put it all in one package and let it soar. And and I really appreciate that story. I can relate. Being mm. an artistic person myself, you never know what people, what the world is gonna accept from you. You never mm. know what you created will actually be an asset or a liability to people. Mm -hmm. And you sit there and you pray to the universe and you just try to find the God in you every time. You just got to get back up yep. and, and sell the world your brand. 100%. Sell the world your brand. Man, I appreciate that. I'm going to shake some of that off. Whew, I hope that helps <laughs> someone out there. Absolutely. Hey, man, look, 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 you know, and I'll say this just to extend on that because there's so many people who have kids on the spectrum and they don't really know 
what tomorrow is going to bring. So here's what I would say to all those families. And, and, and I would say it's one in five kids. And I have, I've stopped doing the research after years now. Yeah. But I would say support that person. Believe that health means a lot for our kids on the spectrum. Um, and also understand that there, there will be a sacrifice and a commitment. And if you if you understand those things and every kid is unique, um, but what I promise you, brother, I can go upstairs right now and have a conversation with my son. We can talk about girls. He may not play football, but that's okay with me. You know what I mean? But it's that commitment and believing. And, I, and, and I'll back up one step further. It was my wife, man. And that's what I would say you know, to everyone. You know, the Bible verse saying, when you find a good woman, you, a good wife, you find it's a good thing. And she was committed to my son. And I saw her commitment. So I had to go just as hard as she was going with my son, with me at work. And so together, we were able to move our family forward and just to see the rewards from that, man. So, I, I, you know, it's 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 not a sad thing for me, bro. It, it's, it's it's motivation every day. I don't, I don't, I'm so hyped. I'm not looking at it as sad. I'm looking at it as absolutely powerful. We oh, talked about you. we talked about media earlier and our narrative, and what mm -hmm. you just spoke about is a black family working in unity, which you really don't hear about. Mm -hmm. So I applaud you even giving us that story that a black man and a black woman work together to accomplish what most probably felt they would not, and that's uh, that. Okay. That is the applaud, and that is the cherry on top. That is the ingredient that we need to hear about because all we hear now is how much we don't like each other. True, and, and one caveat, Sheen, is that actually my wife is Pakistani-American. So my wife, so check this out. My wife's parents and grandparents were born in, in Kenya. You know what I mean? So even the way that they cook is different from those that grew up in Pakistan. Mm. So that relationship and that correlation made it made it made it such a difference and impact in my life and you know I, I just wanted to, to say that because yes you know black women and black men you know have been characterized not like like liking each other and, yes, and not yes. working together um but i believe that if you commit to to whoever you're with and have the grace i mean we can go way over when it comes to black women and black men and mm -hmm. psychology between the two yeah. and the separation between the two absolutely but my, but my point is that um regardless of your who you with bro it's it's the it's, it's the it's the male and female dynamic of family at least in my in my experience that has made the the, the impact of my life and my kids the Traveling abroad for me has given me a different spectrum to see how much women are different, but the same. The customs mm -hmm. and traditions of men are different. What's important, what people hold on to, the moments that they choose to actually stand up or the moments they choose to actually just make sure they have enough for their family to take home. So it's a lot of things. And like I said, in general, I'm going to head and double down in general since the beginning of this episode of this podcast you talked about having strong 
black men around you, pushing you forward. And that narrative is not being pushed enough today. So everybody, welcome to Solutions, and we appreciate you watching today. No doubt, no doubt. So uh, I, I want to, Shima, I want to, I want to, I want to give you one nugget when it comes to style. No, sure, do that. There was a woman that really shook me. It was my aunt. My aunt, the first person I had heard of, of like Alexis, or back in the 80s of, of Agner, which was a really big brand, London Fog. I actually got three London Fog jackets right now mm. that I always think of her. She was always, she was so detail-oriented when it comes to the way she looked. And um, it, even though my dad and his, his Stacey Adams and being shined up and being fresh, because my mom was the baby of 10 and had six sisters, I paid attention to the women. Mm. and grandma you know what i mean and how they move whether you whether it was the ushers the the, the ushers at, at church <laughs> all white how can you stay that clean you know i'll be sitting because i knew you know as a kid you know you're gonna be dirty if you got one all yeah. white but dumb ladies man and then on the other side of that the choir the female choir in the choir robes and how they move and the colors and you know one sunday they have on this color robe the next sunday they have on that color robe and so Although the men impact influenced me, it was the women that impacted me. Hey, listen, women are the best style. They're the best organizers, period. We all need each, they're the best. There's hands down. They, get, they help you with the structure. They help you put things, they incubate. They take whatever you give them and give it back to you tenfold even better. So absolutely, they do that. I lost you, sorry. No problems, man. No problems. We are okay here. Now, let's have some more fun questions. I got a couple more questions for you, then we're going to get you out of here because we know you have a lot going on in your life, a lot of people you're helping out there. But I have one question for you. So, What have you procrastinated on and why? So much. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Uh, I would say that the... Um, the actual course because mm. I, I wanted to, I wanted to be perfect. You know, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to be good, you know, and, um, by doing so it's, it's, it's prolonged this opportunity that I know that can impact a lot of people. Um, and I think also that imposter syndrome, because I hadn't done a course. So the first step for me was get the book done, check one. Now I can actually push the course out because I did that course. I started that course last year, bro. It's <laughs> sitting in, in the art. Huh? We are in the same boat, my friend. I'm trying, I'm trying to do exactly what you're doing. I, I wrote a book recently and now I am pushing out the course. But I'm just gonna do it because I know I'm gonna learn more along the way. I know there's so many things that I don't know. One yeah. thing and that's that's what I do know. I know I don't know everything. So I'm prepared exactly. to fail. I'm prepared to look bad. I'm prepared to have a stain on my shirt and I'm prepared to go change my shirt and come back with a better one on. I'm just, <laughs> there, there's I, one of my coaches who says, do it ugly, man. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta do it ugly, bro. And so that's that was the callous for me to just kind of like wake up and start doing it. But yeah, man, that course. So I, I'm wishing you the best on the course. Yeah, I the only thing I'm not prepared to do is quit. <laughs> exactly. So so let's let's be accountability partners on this, man. Let's get these courses out. 
Absolutely. So now we talked about different places you've traveled. You said Seattle, Baltimore area, different places, South Carolina. Yes. Talk to me. How important is it to leave where you're from to develop yourself to where you're going? I think it's extremely important. Um, growing up in South Carolina, hopping out to, to Los Angeles, uh, San Diego first, then LA, then Seattle, then Detroit, then, you know, DMV. It gives you an opportunity to have a more substantial conversation. And I ended up talking about the, the places we went in the Navy um, for five mm -hmm. years, you know? So it's so important that people travel. It's so important uh, to carry those lessons and those conversations and also the observations of other areas. And what I would tell people when we talk about, for instance, black men going in the Navy, it blew me away. So I'm a country boy in South Carolina, and I'm sure like you traveling from, from NY, going down South. Brothers have, there's such a different vernacular style, influence, everything just in black men, you know what I mean? So the person from Chicago is, is completely different from someone that from, from Miami or Houston is different from someone from LA. LA is different from someone from New York. And so you can appreciate those cultures and community, even though you're the same as far as race. You know, it's so many things. We're not that different. We do the same things, but it's just different. Like in the yeah. South, they say Bo. Chicago, they say Joe. New York, they say yeah. son. It's so many, but it's still another word after that word. What's up, Bo? What's up, Joe? Yeah. You, you, you Jones in me right now. You making fun yeah. of me. Like it's the same thing. Yeah. But it's just, it, it, it may, the needle just move just a little bit. So I think we have a lot of things in common, but I do will go on the record and say that the South dictates style. Mm, speak on that. Have. Speak on have. that. Just think about where we are right now in the current state of hip hop, how we act, how we are. New York had a great influence on hip hop and style when we created the, the form of art of hip hop and, mm. and the freedom of it but most people migrated from the south to new york most yeah. people yeah even dapper dan i'm reading his book his family originally from south carolina actually right right you know what i mean so so to your point i think when it comes to style in the south because i think that people really had to learn how to mill piece if you will what they get and when they get it, how much they cherish it and how you have to pay attention to so much of the details and being in the deep South, you just have a different appreciation. You have a different appreciation for colors. You know, if you're from the, you're from the, the Northeast, you don't get a chance to see all these, uh, you know, all these gardens and flowers and, you know, trees and we see it of all seasons. So we can appreciate and learn that, hey, you know, I talk about this in the book when it comes to, to colors. Mother Nature is undefeated. You'll always have great style or at least appreciation for color only if you look at Mother Nature. Anything, especially anything that someone who's dark, just consider yourself the root or the bark. Mm. And you can pull any color out. The only color that I don't rock with, I'll be quite honest, is neon green. I don't <laughs> see it. I, but, but, if, but if Mother I, Nature got it, I'm on it. I'm talking every facet. Like, you know, the old-timey cars, do yep. some quarter, 
All yeah. of those things come from that way. Most of my family's from the South and born and raised in New York. I, we had the opportunity to be where the hub of all this information was coming. So therefore we had a more of a intangible edit of what it was. We can say, hey, this is the new style. We can dictate. But where it was coming from is two different things. What the mm -hmm. West Coast did to the South, the West Coast influenced a lot of the South. It just, it came around a lot of things they were doing. It just wasn't promoted in that way. It was only two places that was being promoted as hip and as informative. So I, I would, me and now in my state, I can honestly say that. Absolutely. I appreciate that, man. You know, me rocking a 62 Impala at 19 years old, two door hard top. Yes. You can't tell me nothing. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? It probably had his, <laughs> had his his music bumping and everything. I know how it go in Florence. Oh, I was terrible. I was well, terrible. My, my dad to the Chevron. All day. All day. Chevy <laughs> heavy, boy. Chevy strong. So that's what's up. Did you ever get a sex talk? Who or what gave you sex education? Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So I never got the sex talk. Um, Why do you think that we shy away from giving our kids the sex talk? One of the most important things that it can re derail us, slow us yeah. down, get us locked up. If you get, if you have sex with the wrong <laughs> woman, have a baby. It's a lot of things that go along with that. Why do you think we shy away from the sex talk? It's shame, man. You know, we're so, you know, especially growing up down South, you know, church is such a, um, a, a, a vital point in your day-to-day -day life. Right. And so that shame of the body, um, I think influences why people don't talk about it. Um, and it's such an important component to your point of, of life, right? Uh, what I learned, <laughs> where did I learn it from? Um, I think the first time I, I saw my uncle had some, some little playboys. And then after that, hey man, you know, it, it was it was trial and error. It was terrible. <laughs> I, I, did, I did it ugly. I did it. <laughs> I did it ugly, that's for sure. <laughs> like your coach, like your coach said, huh? Like coach said, man, I, I did it ugly for a minute. <laughs> I, I make you laugh, man. So I remember being a kid, and uh, I asked my mom, "Does all virgins come from the Virgin Islands?" And she oh. was like, "Boy," <laughs> and she laughed at me. I'll never forget that, man. I was so I was just you know country and curious, man. Like, and I was like, "I ain't no virgin." I ain't no virgin, you know. That's they just thing. laugh at me. That that's a thing to this day. That is a thing. And yeah. it's it's a, it's a peer pressure thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. But you're not missing out on anything. Listen, keep your focus. You got plenty of time. Please that's what, keep That's what focus. people say. They already they already had it. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you good. You good. Don't worry about that. Don't yeah. worry about that. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Sex, sex, I feel sex ed because it was not presented. Um, and I'm still nervous about that, even with mine. It's so <laughs> so crazy. My youngest two, I haven't sat down. I have. You got to do it. You got to do I know. it. I'm nervous, man. You know. Listen, listen. We they, we're gonna do it anyway. Like you said, you don't That's want true. trial and error. You want informative. You want structure. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Oh, my wife. My wife is much better than, than me. She's <laughs> much better than that. Than me. Stronger uh, you know, together. I, stronger together. I'm leaning <laughs> on wifey, but but yeah, I got I got I'm let, I'm let, I'm let. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> your mom, you, you talk to your mom. Uh, yeah. that, but that was my dad. 
Yeah. <laughs> Took you out. <laughs> mom, you know, I was like, all right, you know. <laughs> what I got a question for you right now. This one is a little bit intrusive. So if you don't okay. want to answer it, it's okay. It's a two-part question, but you give it a thought. If you can drop a gem here, that would be great. Are you ready? I'm ready. What was abusive to you that you thought was love? It's mm, a good question. And now at my age, you know, um, I, think I, I just really believe lack of information to your point of, um, of sex education and just mm -hmm. being a share, like being real vulnerable with, with the kids. Like, I, it's funny you, you say that and it makes me really, really think deeply how honest and open you can be with your kids. If you can get to that point of vulnerability as an adult, it just alleviates so much strife and challenges for your kids. So I think it is a level of abuse, man, because if you don't inform, if you don't inform, here I am contradicting myself because I'm saying I'm nervy about telling my, my kids about sex education, but you know, there's there's deeper things that the that kids need to be aware of and understand so that they're not caught in the crossfire. Everybody yeah. has that feeling. Nobody wants to talk to your kids about sex. Nobody wants to introduce something they think they might not be aware of. But we just have mm -hmm. to accept the fact that they're aware of it just like we were aware of it. Yeah. It's a curiosity thing there. But one thing I, I, I promote on this channel, what I try to tell people is that I think everyone, if you have the opportunity, interview your parents or let your kids interview you. You give them 20 questions, a tell-all. Mm -hmm. You tell the truth, no matter what question they ask, they get to write interview like they're doing a job. They get to ask you any question they get to want to ask. In that moment, you will see a growth in that relationship, but they have there has to be some ground rules. The ground rules is, you know, what we talk about here is just this moment, this is all you got. We're not gonna hold it against anyone. We're gonna tell the truth. And it's best to let them ask the questions they wanna ask instead of you trying to tell them what mm. they should know. That's because good. they, yeah, things like, what do you wanna know? And they're going to look at you and be like, serious? What do you want to know? I'm going to give you today. You get one hour. Prepare your 20 questions. We're going to sit down and we're going to talk. And we're going to grow. And we're going to go forward with this. And That's a, You know what? I love that. I, I love that. And it's funny because um, I, I think about my youngest more than my son. Because mm -hmm. I think she she she's the one. She even she wanted now. You know, my, yeah, yeah. my son, he's cool. Um, actually, my oldest... That'll be an interesting conversation. My oldest is 23 now. It'll be, I'm gonna ask her. And but see, that's the thing. It it changes. So mm -hmm. someone's 20 questions at 15 and someone's 20 questions at 25, they start to see the world differently. They're no longer in a child's place. So their questions are gonna be totally different. Yeah, gotta prepare for those. But I know this may sound anecdotal, but in my experiences with that, I've gone closer to my father. I've gone closer mm. to my mother. I've actually did this process. And that's how I, I innately came up with it. I was like, this is interesting. Mm -hmm. We interview for the jobs we want in life. We find out all the information, the things we want to attach ourselves to. Instead of respecting the fact that mommy and daddy had a story before me. They were mm -hmm. someone. They had dreams, things they prayed for, things that they did not achieve. I'm going to do that. I, I'm even going to do it. I'm going to do it with my parents. Yeah, so. Listen, you will love it. Because if you got yeah. some questions, like, hey, I got 20 questions for you. But you know, I know some people have different situations than others. 
parents yeah. may, may have transitioned or they just might have a relationship where they can't be in the room at the same time. But if you can hold yourself true and, and really have that conversation, there is some things you will unlock in yourself that will grow you to the moon. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about that exercise. Second part of this question, how long did it take you to accept it? Mm. After you found out you loved it, it was abusive though, but how long did you accept it? Because some of us are in denial of things that we love that are abusive. It probably took me about 10 years mm. from, from being, you know, 12, 13 to early 20s to be able to be a, to be a parent. Mm. That's when it that's when it happened for me. I was 24, and in that that shift in becoming a parent, I began to understand things so much deeper. The sacrifice that parents make, the things that parents don't give you privy to as far as information, because sometimes um, that information can should be for a different time frame. Right. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so it's it's almost like uh, a Pandora's box, but but you can open it at different stages yeah. of life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so that was definitely when I was about 24, 25, becoming a parent that, that really shifted me for sure. Hey, I appreciate that answer. Absolutely, man. We're making some progress. I know we're helping some people today. I just got a few more questions for you. I'm going to let you go on your way. Hey, man, I'm, I'm here for you. Good. Florence, Florence, South Carolina. Sir, all right. day. Now listen to the magic, the magic city. <laughs> Check this out. Should there be a basic training program amongst a level, a level of education given skill traits in the community outside of the school system, outside of the library, outside of the after school program? I'm talking about community based where we teach financial literacy, communication, how to change a tie and a bow tie, gardening general wealth building stocks and real estate speaking to the elderly with intent do you ever think we can come together and have something like the village you spoke of but on a larger sense where we actually have families and homes playing their positions of who they are even if they have other skill traits outside of their professions in the community this is who you what you do for us and this is what you do unapologetically to grow everyone as a whole Honestly, my, my humble opinion is that's what church was for. Mm, let's go there. Let's because go there. that's where, you know, you're paying tithes, you're giving 10%. So that's your sacrifice. That's your a, a level of saving. So you know that you're going to commit to that 10% every, no matter how much money you make, you pull that 10% away and you offer it up as a tithe. So if you take that same thought process, no matter what, I'm gonna save X amount of dollars, no matter what, for my savings. Mm. And then how do you live with the, you know, the remainder? You, 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 you do that with the remainder. When it comes to changing tires and things of that nature, that's what the deacons, that's what the deacons was, should have been about. You know, old school, I know we're talking about old school church. I mean, the church probably not like it used to be. But, but, speak, um, brother. Speak, speak. You know, but they may but, not have known how it was. Let them know. Let them know. Yeah. So you know, the, you know, the old deacons. You know, you would see all those older men together, and, and they were fellowship. And so you could learn about being a man in a 
air quotes, God-fearing manner around those deacons. You know, the ladies used to, the, the ladies in the, uh, in the church, they were the mothers in the church, they'll be cooking. So then you see that the ladies cooking the food, the girls going out and hanging, you know, with their moms, their aunties cooking. Um, you know, I, I think that although church has changed and although we don't have it anymore, I think I love platforms like this where, you know, we're speaking on it and then we can take that information and come together um, to support each other in a more collective way than, than the way it used to be. And the way it used to be, we would physically go there. Now we have to use technology. We have to make it fun and interesting for the community to come together and incorporate all these different things that we're missing. Because I, I believe that we should know how to change a tire. We should know how to balance a checkbook. We should, we should know how to cook. Um, we should know how to have manners and etiquette. But I think now it has to be a digital component and we can do it together as long as we understand that there's more power if we have as a command as a community if we actually make those decisions together because otherwise we kind of continue to separate ourselves from each other yeah absolutely right i haven't thought as deep as going back to the church with that question i think they have a lot of work to do in establishing the trust with men in the community because men have stopped going to church at a large percentage due to the stats. But I think it is not too late. I think mm -hmm. there are some things that we can adjust. I even think there are Zooms you can hold where you teach kids randomly how to teach bow ties if you had an opportunity, right? Yeah, yeah not bow ties. That would be awesome. Just That's just off the top of my, my mind thinking about it. It would be something that we can achieve together and and God in it. So, like mm -hmm. so many people shy away from the Bible because of new information, new knowledge or different religions, but the actual structure of what is asking you to be your best self is never outside of anyone's religion. They're just asking you mm -hmm. to be your best version of yourself. So we yeah. take that baseline of communication, we can go a lot further. I think that's it in every um, religious text for the most part. Mm -hmm. Th those principles are universal, right? Um, and I think one of the things that kind of piggyback we talked earlier about um, what's what something I procrastinated on, you know, the course this leads to curriculum and to your point of, um, you know, teaching kids how to tie bow ties and work with a nonprofit in Florida um, where we've done that, um, but also going into the colleges and have a curriculum. My goal is to have Why Stop Matters as a curriculum. Um, and style, confidence, and etiquette. Because if you can move through life with those three core principles, there's nothing that you can't accomplish with those three. And so um, I 100% agree with you. Doing a Zoom call, doing it with a community perspective, and also getting early as far as since we may not go to church, God willing, maybe it could be in schools because just like Dr. Eric Thomas did, he did it all on YouTube and that put him in a position to go into schools. So what you're doing, what I'm doing is so important. And the cat and the and the cherry on top is the books because now you have something physical that they can use and tangible that they can look and say, okay, and also say, hey, I can be an author too. I hope I hope we don't go away from books with uh, diving too deep in technology. Like holding a book is very intangible. You know what mm -hmm. I hope to see in the community? I, hope, I would hope to see that we had 
communities, different, different, different groups of people who specialize in certain things in every, every community around the world. And what I mean by that is this set of people right here, they all focus on tax write-offs, nonprofits, and LLCs. They'll tell you exactly how to do it. This is the committee you go to for the proper information. This committee right here, they teach you everything about the law, especially in the black community. Every time we get in a car, every time we are passed by justice system, all of us get anxiety, whether it's, mm -hmm. it's warranted or not. But, but if we knew more information, maybe, maybe, if we practice our etiquette, maybe things would not go as exactly or the, the anxiety that we receive during a routine traffic stop. I mean, that's that trauma. That's that yeah. generational trauma you know that that we experience so whether we drive and we got everything straight tagged straight license yeah. on point right dressed dressed up you still gonna have that nervous and that anxiety when you see that car because right. when we when i grew up in the 80s there were four things that people asked you know you know coming out of the 70s into the early 80s of what you want to be when you grow up it was a, it was an astronaut it was a police officer it was a fireman it was a president. nurse of the president you know mm -hmm. what i mean so it's, we're so far removed from that these days, but it's interesting you talk about like different groups being responsible for different information. And that's really what I feel like one of the one of the disadvantages of, of uh, desegregation mm. was that, you know, those individuals, those craftsmen, they left. So we, we, we don't have None the black tailor. We, we don't have the, the electricians usually. We don't, you know what I mean? The plumbers, all those, all those artisans, all those skill traits. And they even took it out of school. They took all those things out of school, which is crazy to me. Home ec, you know, um, I forget the other one that you call for agriculture. Um, you know, the mechanics, all those things that um, that you would learn to be a, a skilled craftsman, they, they removed it from schools. It, 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 it would be rough, but I think it's needed if we had to teach every kid from our community the law. And what I mean mm. by that is they have to know in and out what the law is because it's used on us so much and we don't know. That's part of our anxiety because you don't know anything about the law. We should all have a basic level of understanding of uh, chapter 35B A of the essay says this, or just yeah. know your amendments. People don't know their amendments. We don't know our amendments. That's why, that's why the Black Panther Party was so powerful. And that's why I had to be interrupted because they knew that was a part of their, their education. You needed right. to know those things, right? The, the, if it wasn't for Black Panther Party, we wouldn't have free lunch, right? We wouldn't have that even social, that system. So there's a lot of things that they disrupted that to your point, just having that, that knowledge in that, again, we're in a different society, right? Cause you know, even if you know the law, you can be lumped up, but at least you have that understanding. Right. right. And so I agree with you 100%. I think we all should, this should be a class. You know, there should be brothers like you and I. Uh, and I'm sure there's some brothers out there. I mean, and that's the whole mm -hmm. thing I, I love about the digital age is being connected to those, to be able to have access to those individuals so that we can do it. Because I think there's someone out there that has that information and they're sharing in a small space. So let's, let's, uh, let's look together. Yeah, see if we can get this get this brother or sister out there you know into the universe so we can make sure that as many kids that can learn these types of things that they have the resources and the knowledge to do so
I got two more questions for you, and then I'm gonna let you go. And then because I know you got a lot of things going on, just two more. I'm gonna hold hold true to two. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Now, just in entertainment, do you see a representation of yourself? If we were looking on TV, we were looking in the news, we were looking on just television alone, because you traveled the world, you understand what television really does for Americans, what it really does for anyone from any of the continents, how people are perceived and treated, the branding of them, and how we are perceived. Do you see a representation of your life and what you're trying to do on television? Not enough, no. Not at all. Um, unfortunately, not. One, the, the the entertainment keeps us being consumers, right? So we're gonna watch the games, you know. We're gonna watch the 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 cat fight shows, um, but rarely do you see shows where there's a a business professional who's responsible. Um, not only to the community, but to the family, um, who's articulate, um, who understands the great sense of sound and didn't understand those core three values. I rarely, I rarely see that. So I always tell people, men, that we need to be seen. There's, there's not kids that know that they could be a GM of a, of a club that's a $40 million club, you know, a, a million dollar revenue per month club. Like, how do you, why aren't we showing those things? How all of a sudden there's these black billionaires that's popping up. Where, why I don't know about those individuals years ago, cause you got to get to a billion. We didn't even know they was millionaires. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if you're not reading like, you know, black enterprise maybe, or something like that, it's not seen, you know, the closer you see to that right now is again the entertainers that's making money and then you can see it but not for me a black man not in that a heterosexual black man um as a leader as a as a someone who understands style confidence and etiquette not enough a gm it's a, a, you could be a stylist an electrician like you said they don't show those jobs enough so people don't fathom them and their creativity in their mind if all they see is that in their scope you're only as big as your imagination takes you until it's uh, branded on you that there are other avenues and that's what skill traits really did for us absolutely now i want to put you in the husband chair real quick this is one of my favorite questions i like to ask now you have you have to choose one and you have to explain why are you right. ready yeah you sure i'm positive as a husband would you rather have a great woman or a great wife? A great woman. I think that a, 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 you, someone can evolve to a great wife, just like you can evolve into a great husband. But if your core values and your core principles are uh, understanding what it is to be a great woman, then a wife is just an adjective. <laughs> Ooh, just an adjective. Okay, I hear you. I like that. Validation from your partner. It's like you win a championship when you meet the right woman. But Mr. Style Jumper, Mr. Ali, I ask you this. Do you defend the title? And I, I know this is a no-brainer. Are you competing with the best versions of yourself, making sure you styling, profiling, looking good every day? 
in fact, putting pressure on your lady to say, hey, I got to keep up with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, because because it's so interesting with, with, with different relationships, right? Some people are more comfortable. You know, this is comfortable to me. Like, this is like way comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I enjoy it because it's just who I am. I've been in uniforms my whole life. So my clothes to me is a uniform. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and again, it is is that nonverbal communication. So I, I definitely think I put some pressure on my wife. She, you know, she she uh <laughs> she can do her thing. She can do her thing, but but I know most of the time she's like, gosh, this dude, calm tell, down. <laughs> tell the fellas right now how important it is to put pressure on your lady to make sure, like, man, she's she still gotta compete. Like she gotta oh, come out here. Why if you gotta look good, man? You know, just like I always go back and forth between the both 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 genders because we have to do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Right? We can't get lazy. So we want we wanna we wanna always I always wanna feel like I'm courting my wife. I always want my wife to feel like, mm, you looking good over there. You know what I mean? I always yeah. that's I always want that to happen. Now, and I'm not like the jealous guy. So fellas, me, I'm not a jealous guy. I know I have a beautiful bride. But I want to always be on par um, at all times with the guy she met. I will, I'm, I'm competing with that dude. Not from a, definitely not from a knowledge standpoint, because I know nothing, you know, when you, yeah. when you heard 20 years ago, but as far as, the, you know, the way you put yourself together, it's important. And the same thing with the with wife, we have to put that pressure. But also I think if we elevate ourselves, it'll influence and impact wife and what she puts on absolutely put that pressure on gentlemen and why are you applying the pressure understand you're actually taking care of yourself so it's a win-win situation crock pot baby <laughs> <laughs> we talked about a lot of things well we spoke yeah. about legacy as well but we ignore some major steps sometimes do you have a will and do you have a trust truth be told i don't have a will and trust yet so it's interesting you said that um i was just listening to again dr eric thomas in their show and jamal was talking about his fourth great grandfather who put together a will and trust for his kids mm -hmm. his kids kids you know what i mean so um that's on the way now that's one thing i've been procrastinating on you gotta get on it man there's so many I'm things on i'm on there's it so many things we run from it because we're associate ourselves with just talking about death because we so much trauma. So we don't even want to talk about death. You don't want to bring up getting insurance put on you or you think that's a death sentence. It's not. It's actually a financial set for your family to move forward. It, it is a process. It is a thing out there. It is a part of the game. It is a part mm. of the rules. It's, it's some things we don't know in our communities that will help us get wealth and, and give a different type of lifestyle that we can all stand upon and grow our communities with. We understood what is available to us and what is understood between in books. Hey man, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's powerful when you think about, you know, putting together women of trust. And I think um, depending upon how you're, how you're groomed and raised determines a lot about those conversations, you know, again. So, so those, that's something that I've never had that conversation with my parents, exactly. you know what I mean? 
So um, it, it's good. Today, I'm going to have right. a conversation with my right. parents. I never had it either. It took my wife who, who had that conversation with her parents. And then, you know, when you get married or you come with get someone experiences, you start to learn from them and you start to say, hey, you know, I need to get that information. And that's how we get this basic level of communication. That's what this show is all about. A mm -hmm. basic knowledge of information. You spoke of the Black Panther Party, had a basic knowledge of information, what it take to have the proper etiquette to move around and be strong and to actually build something. That's what we're trying to do, have a basic knowledge of information. So when we talk taxes to each other, we know exactly what we're talking about. When mm -hmm. we talk stocks to each other, when we talk etiquette, when we talk style, we understand what fabrics we're talking about. These conversations, imagine we all had that general-based knowledge where our, our better conversations would go, where our deeper conversations would go. Agreed. Absolutely. I came up with something called operating at 100%. And what I mean by that is I took five categories purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Again, I say purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. Purpose means you're living in your purpose, doing the things that God has called you to do. Health is you're working out, eating right, meditating, and praying. Confidence means you're doing it without any fear. Money, you made a little money, invested a little money, saved a little money, and knowledge, you took in some new information that grew you. So I ask you, Mr. Ali, the style jumper, within the last 24 hours, how much of 100% have you been operating out of? That's purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge. And they're all 20% each totaling out to 100%. I would say in the last 24 hours, about 7%. Seven? Seventy, seventy percent. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> boy, you heard, seven. boy. You got 7%, boy. You, yeah. you alive. You, you here today? <laughs> you slept you all day. Up, you slept all day. You got 7%. Like, I just laid in the bed and watched Netflix. I didn't do nothing yesterday. 7%. 70% is not bad, sir. What are you missing? Um, I would say yesterday I didn't work out. I worked. Ah. Um, You know. And then, you know, money, I want I want to play around. I want to learn uh, some more about the Bitcoin game, you know. Hey. So so that's that's um, that's that that other 10 percent. So um, that's my health, uh, the the money. And then I would say knowledge, uh, I, there's, some, there's more research that goes with some, sort of with that money with learning ah, about Bitcoin and stuff like that. So th yeah, man. So that that's where that 30% I'm, I'm yeah. lacking. It's a great meter to judge yourself on. If you give yourself a grade and average it out by the end of the week and you had goals and you're scoring 52, 58, 68, you, you, you can't complain when you say, Hey, I had me operate above 90% this entire month. Mm. This entire year, I didn't do anything at 95, 90%. That's why I'm not where I want to be. Or if you're operating at 95%, you're like, I'm on my way. Yeah. I'm doing yeah. the things I need to do. And you add things to it as you go. I you like add. that, you know, because, you know, Dr. Thomas talks a lot about, and you can hear, I speak about him a lot because he he was one of the people that, he was a, the um, the remote mentor um, to me um, over these last decade. Um, but he always talked about triple double. Mm. And I'm 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 always striving for triple double. That's finances. That's my relationship with my wife. 
Um, you know, that's that's me at work. Everything just being triple double. You can be the the best. You know, shooter. You know, you can be the best. You know, defensive player. But if you're going triple double every day, yeah. Oh man, it's so so powerful. So I like that. This you know your um, your purpose, health, confidence, money, and knowledge um, percentage um, parameter is a really really good way for me to to continue that legacy of triple double. So I appreciate that, Ramon. Yes. Yeah. And you can grade yourself on the curve. If you're a person who lives in their purpose and you're confident and you get knowledge, then are you struggling with your money and health? Then increase those percentages on those. So this way, if you mm -hmm. don't do the things you're weak at, you're going to really have a bad grade. So you have to really That's focus. True. Yeah, you can lower. If you just in your purpose, drop it down to 10% and give 10% somewhere else. Into your health and say, hey, you know what? I got 30% invested in health. And if I don't do that, automatically the highest I can get is a 70. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Good, brother. I like That's that a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You are now part of the Silhouette Boys Club. It is people like you who move in the shadows of people like me shine. Now, before you go, we love to get referrals for the show. Is there any man you want to drop a name on us today to let him know, hey, he needs to come on his show and drop these gems. Absolutely. My, my good brother, Glastine Celestine, um, is about leadership. So, Glass, you're next on the show. I'm going to make that happen. He's my, he's good. He's good. Let's, let's make it happen. Now, before you go, we'd love to hear what you got going on. We'd love to hear about the book and anything else this community right here can back you on. Absolutely. So for those who would like to, to know and learn more about me, you can find me both on YouTube and Instagram uh, at the style jumper, style jumper, one word, um, the book, uh, why style matters in the mindset of dressing, the mindset of dressing well and how it impacts your life. Uh, you can find it either on, um, on my direct link on Instagram, or you can get it on Amazon. Um, what I am working on again is the course, um, that talks a lot about branding and personal brand as an entrepreneur. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And then the other thing that I'm working on to be aware of that I am working on the curriculum because that's where we can start with our young people um, about why style matters and how it impacts them in their future and have them the power of number of communication, um, then they will be in a much better situation and maybe far ahead, of the, far ahead than where we are today. So I appreciate it, man. It's an absolute difference. I went to Kaplan school. I wore a shirt and tie every day. I believe it's an absolute difference. Oh, man. I love it. I love it. It's the uniform, man. It's the uniform it's lifestyle. It just creates some type of structure. And I met kids in all walks of life that prepared me to communicate with all walks of life. No doubt. No doubt. For those listening, you can reach me at solutionsformen at sheem1.com. That's S-H-E-E-M-O-N-E.com. To be a guest on the show, info at sheem1.com. Let's continue this conversation on Facebook, Twitter, Clubhouse, or in the streets if you see me. Before you go, we love to end with a quote from Dr. Miles Monroe. True success is not measured by how much you have done or accomplished. It's not compared to what others have done or accomplished. True success is what you have done compared to what you could have done. In other words, living to the maximum is competing with yourself. It's living up to your own true standards and capabilities. Success is satisfying your own personal passion and purpose in pursuit of personal excellence. So question of the day, question of your life. Are you maximizing your life? 
Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ali, aka the Style Jumper, this has been Solutions for Men. Peace and blessings. Peace and blessings. Thank you. <laughs>